Hello Astroverse, this is the 12th episode of Astrocast, and today we have neither James nor Chad on the show. Um, I'm here, Jordan Gracie, and with me is Dennis. Dennis, how are you doing? I'm pretty all right. How are you, Jordan? I'm actually doing pretty well right now, and anyone who listens to this and is a part of the community on reddit.com, you probably know Dennis. He is an active user of the sub, but we're not going to tell you who he is. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to keep it a little mystical. Yeah, we'll leave it. That, that, that can all be conjecture for anyone who wants to guess who he is, but he is he's our guest today, and he is a knowledgeable and diehard <laughs> Astros fan. Isn't that right? I, who knowledgeable is, uh, is, you know, that's a lofty, uh, title you've given me, <laughs> but, uh, diehard, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that one. I'll, I'll take that one. Excellent. Well, so I guess just to start off, we're gonna, the things we're gonna talk about today is the final homestand of the season that we just wrapped up playing. We're also going on the road. There's only six games left in the season. We're going to talk about what we're going to have to do in the in the final six games, we're going to have to talk about potential postseason and just kind of reflect on September in general. I mean, just to start it off, we just beat the Texas Rangers and the Arlington two out of three Rangers, games, the Arlington Rangers in two out of three games at Minute Maid Park. Obviously, it would have been ideal to sweep them. Yeah. But what did this series kind of mean to the team? Do you think, Dennis? I think it's a um, it's kind of like a, a tone setting. It's a momentum change, you know. We we had a terrible road trip, you know, losing, we get swept by the Rangers, we lose our spot at the top of the division, and to have this, I mean, the first part of this homestand was kind of shaky too, like we lost against uh, Oakland in the first game against them, and then we won the next two, um, and then the series against the Angels was uh, less than ideal, to put it, you know, gently, we we lost the series, uh, but then, you know, so it's kind of like we're spiraling out of control and you know, a lot of fans kind of panicky that we're losing it all. And I'm sure the players have some kind of sense of that as well. So I think to come and then beat the Rangers in the series, not necessarily sweep them, which, like as you said, would have been ideal, but to beat them is is a huge morale boost, probably. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, to me personally, everybody, everybody started freaking out whenever we lost the series to the Angels, understandably, because now we have them nipping at our heels like a half game back in the wild card. And to me, my I wasn't going to hit my panic button until the end of the season, the end of the series with the Rangers. And I was only going to hit that panic button if we lost the series. Yeah. So I'm kind of happy with us winning the series. I mean, obviously, but I'm also happy because it made me not hit my panic button. Like, I still feel like we can take a wild card spot. Yeah. In the series against the Rangers, the second game, you know, this this team at the beginning of the season was they said we're going to live and die by the home run, basically. Like we're gonna strike out a lot, but we're gonna hit a bunch of home runs. That's what we saw in that second game, right? Yeah. Six home runs, I believe it yeah. was. Two for Correa, his first multi home run game of his career, two for Altuve, one from Rasmus and one from Carter. And I feel like like you said, I feel like that moment can be the momentum shifter for the for us to go off on our road trip on and especially with that those Correa home runs he now has the most home runs in a season by a shortstop in franchise history Mm -hmm. he's 21 years old yeah (laughs) he just he just turned 21 years old yeah and I mean I think that seeing that kind of stuff seeing that kind of performance 
can really shift some momentum. And especially with, I mean, Carter in the series in general hit two home runs. Do you think that's a turnaround? Um, I think, I I think it's a little late for us to call it a turnaround. But you know, I'll, if he goes like absolutely insane for the last few games of the season, I'll take it. I will personally forget everything he did in the season before this if he goes out and hits like a home run per game. Right for the rest of the season. Like you said, if it, I guess if, if this happened a month ago and he kept it up, then that would be mm-hmm. a turnaround. But right now, yeah. maybe it's just Carter coming through in the clutch. Huh? Yeah. Maybe it's Carter saying, well, like, shit, if I don't step up now, I might not be in the lineup at all mm-hmm. for the last road trip. Yeah. <laughs> so. so that's, I mean, that's kind of good to see, though. And like you said, I think if he blows people away in this last road trip, if he has an opportunity to blow people away in the playoffs, then we might completely forget why is Carter even in the lineup. Yeah, like, I mean, never mind, you know, you might be able to blame him to some degree for, like, us being in this predicament in the first place. Like, say, well, Carter, if you had done this all year long, you know, we'd be at, like, 95 wins right now and we wouldn't even be worrying. But I think if he does come through and be that major contributor for this last uh, road trip and then... Should he be that major contributor and we win and we go to the playoffs, if he continues that through the playoffs, I think we'll be able to look back and not, you know, we won't look back at him with such animosity. You know, we'll look back and be happy with his contribution, even though it came at the very last second. The last possible second that he could slip it in there to have people forgive him. Uh, Speaking of playoffs, though, so I was looking at fan graphs earlier and... They're constantly fluctuating um, playoff chances, like the chances that any team will make the playoffs. And about two weeks ago, the Astros were sitting at 80, 90 some odd percent to take the division. And that number is down to 9.5% now after the two series against the Rangers. That's insane. Yeah, Texas has an 81% chance at the division. and uh, But luckily, I mean, luckily, even after this, the hardship, the frustration, we're sitting at a 55.6% chance of a wildcard spot. Mm-hmm. So it's I I think despite all the frustration we will all be very thankful if we get a wild card spot yeah yeah like I think um even though that means it, it doesn't mean the same thing you know back in the day it doesn't mean the same thing where it's like a for sure spot in the actual playoffs we still have to do that one game playoff yeah I think it's certainly I think that's like the bare minimum for a lot of fans right now is. We have to get the wild card spot or else, you know, what has this season been about? Even though, I mean, you can easily argue there's been a lot of positives about this season, even if we don't make the playoffs. But for a lot of people, you know, if we don't even get that wild card spot, it'll be a kind of tragic Hamlet uh, failure death thing that we've done. So, <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I feel like at the beginning of the season... If we would have finished 500, which, oh, at, speaking of that, we now officially will have a winning season the first time since 2008. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's incredible. And I think that whenever the team made those deadline moves, that was the front office saying, we expect ourselves to make the playoffs now, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you were saying about the the one game playoff, though, it's... Not a for sure spot in the playoffs, but last season both of the teams in the World Series were the wild were wild card team. Yeah. So it's also not an immediate. I mean, it might be a struggle, but it's not going to be immediate. And right, right now, I think it's pretty solid that the Yankees are going to have that top wild card spot. Mm-hmm. 
and they will have home field advantage for that wild card game. So if we go to Yankee Stadium for a one game playoff, we start Dallas Keuchel, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, he, he's had a short career. He's only had two starts at Yankee Stadium, but in those two starts at Yankee Stadium, he has a one eighty nine batting average or a one eighty nine batting average against him. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, he's had a complete game there. He has a one point eight ERA there. And the downside is the only loss he's had there was the complete game. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that it's, I mean, I think if we, as as poor as the team has been on the road this season, I trust Dallas Keuchel in the confines mm-hmm. of Yankee Stadium. I think he can give us a good start there. Yeah, I think if there's one pitcher in our rotation that you can like kind of go all in on and, you know, bet the farm on, it's, it's Dallas Keuchel. I mean, if you look at all of his performances this season, barring like the one in Arlington, he has been like the ideal for a Cy Young pitcher. I don't want to get into like awards and stuff, but even with that, like I know when Dallas had that game, people were saying like, oh, there goes his Cy Young chances. And knowing how people vote for awards and such, that's very likely, but that's just ridiculous because the guy has been uh, just dominant against all opponents. He came back and showed the Rangers what's up. So Yeah, and I mean, he's th- that's one thing that I like most about watching Dallas Keuchel pitch is if he gets in a jam, he had to pitch a lot of pitches in the first two innings of his start against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. But he didn't let it shake him up. Yeah. Like a lot of guys will get in a position like that and it'll, it'll get to their head and... They'll just have to be taken out after a few innings. But he still pitched way over 100 pitches mm-hmm. and did exactly what he needed to do for the team. And I think it's crazy because if you would have asked me in 2012 and 2013, who do you think your pitcher will be that you would go all in on? I would never have guessed Dallas Keuchel, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember one of his first games up in the bigs was against the Rangers, I think. And he threw, I think it was a complete game. But that was like his only good game he threw that season. I mean... Not to rag on the guy because he's a great pitcher now, but he was not this fantastic individual his first two seasons in the in the major leagues. Yeah, it was actually looking at it, it, it his first or his his first start at home mm-hmm. um, was against the Cleveland Indians, and he pitched a complete game, and we won eight to one, and that was in oh, 2012. There we go. That was but, Indians. Yeah, he, he threw nine innings. He gave up six hits, one run, struck out three guys. Which mm-hmm. today he struck out ten guys. I mean, yeah. That's it, it's insane to see how much he's changed from a pitcher who consistently has above a five ERA mm. to two straight seasons where he's below a three ERA. Yeah, like it is. I never would have guessed, and I think that it's great that we finally have that guy that we can go all in on. You know, it's crazy. Like I think they showed. I was actually watching the Ranger broadcast um, for reasons that uh, I have. <laughs> anyway, but uh, they showed a uh, like a graphic on there at some point that Keiko's had five or six starts with like 10 plus strikeouts this season. Like, I mean, and everybody, everybody talks about how, you know, how many ground balls he has and all that. And especially last season, I don't think anybody really saw like this enormous amount of strikeouts that he was going to have this season. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. And like we're, you, like you had said, he, his first start at home in his career, he pitched a complete game. He's mm-hmm. now average today, 15 and zero at Minute Maid Park. Yeah. And that's going to be his, I mean, his last regular season start would have been his 15th win. So he went 15 and zero. I think 
personally that he is one of our keys to kind of like doing well on the road uh, if we wind up getting to a playoff game on the road. I think he'll be the guy that we look back on. But what, I mean, what other stuff, in, in your opinion, you know, the team has been, I, I would say, abysmal on the road, really. They've been terrible. They have one of the worst road records and one of the best home records. Any team, what else do you think is like kind of the key to staying solid on the road aside from Dallas Keuchel? Okay. I actually did this right before we started. I compared stats between a road trip this season, April 20th to April 29th, nine games where we played Seattle, Oakland, and San Diego. Mm -hmm. And then I compared it to the most recent road trip, which was 10 games against uh, Oakland, the Angels, and uh, the Rangers. Arguably one of the most important road trips of the entire season. Yeah. And... The biggest difference between the two things. Okay, everybody has been uh, complaining a lot about like us uh, leaving men on base. But if you actually look, um, in that road trip, the first one in April, we the record for that road trip was 8-1. and one. So we won eight games. We left 71 men on base, which is an average of 7.9 per game. So about eight. So in this most recent road trip, which we went 2-8 and eight in, we left 73 on base, which is an average of 7.3. So there's not that much difference there. Um, we did, you know, we scored more then. So, you know, we weren't... The percentage of uh, runners we were leaving on base wasn't as high as this time. But the biggest difference was the pitching. Bullpen and, and starting or just starting? Uh, a mixture of both. I mean, especially for this most recent road trip where, our, you know, our starters got, you know, kicked out of the games really quickly, especially against the Rangers. And then the bullpen came in, and they didn't do much better. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was just this constant hammering of our pitching. So I think mainly for me the bullpen, but because I, I I can write off those bad starting performances as anomalies for the most part. Right. But our bullpen just they've been in this kind of you know funk all September. You know. Yeah, I mean, as far as the term meltdown goes. Mm -hmm. I would have to say that this is this would be considered this month would be considered a meltdown in the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen itself had uh, a 6.26 ERA in mm -hmm. in the month of September, which is just I mean, that's that is the worst ERA of any month <laughs> yeah. of starting or relief pitching for the team. Yeah. And I mean, they had, uh, that, that was with over 64 and two thirds innings. Um, they gave up 75 hits in those 64 and two thirds innings over the months. <laughs> they gave up nine home runs. Oh my goodness. Over, over the entire month. Um, and I mean, it's just, it just wasn't pretty. And I think that that's, it's something that if it does not get shored up, it could be mm -hmm. the biggest problem in any postseason run or on any road trip. Who do you? I mean, I know that it's it's easy to have a knee jerk reaction when Gregerson goes in and just screws it up. When Nisha goes and screws it up, but they've all been bad. Who or what do you think is the most that what we can blame this meltdown on the most? The meltdown of the bullpen. Blame it the most. I honestly don't know. You know, because we had Perez who had uh, like a few bad outings and then he started getting a little bit better and you know kind of sporadic back and forth of bad outings it seems i don't have the stats in front of me but from what i recall <clears throat> but then you have you know gregerson harris and nishak who all kind of turned downwards like uh they all got pretty collectively bad at the same time and that's you know that's been kind of our key three guys throughout the season in our bullpen and so when you have your go-to guys fall like that it's it's kind of a collective blame on all three of them but at the same time you can't blame them too harshly because 
you know, they've been great pretty much all season. It's just extremely bad luck, maybe, that it's happening now. Yeah, I mean, the only... So one of my initial thoughts was that maybe a couple of the guys have been, like, overworked. But after looking at it, I mean, the only pitcher in our bullpen who actually seems like it's it's a possibility that he was overworked would be Will Harris and, and I mean Will Harris is still posting like a 188 ERA over the entire season but he's been he's been putting first of all he's been put in a lot higher pressure situations than he has been in his career because he's posting that high or that low of an ERA yeah um but he's getting put in high leverage situations and a lot more often too I mean he's pitched 67 innings so far this season in 64 appearances, which the highest before that is 52 and two thirds. Wow. Like that's a lot, yeah, a lot more innings for a guy to take on. And I mean, in, in September, he, I mean, he's been less than stellar. We all know that. We all know that it's been kind of a, uh, like he's got a, he had a 188 ERA the entire season, but he has a five ERA in his 11 appearances. Hmm. in in September. So that's one person that I feel like it, it could be a candidate for for overworking. Yeah. But I can't. I mean, Nishak and Gregerson, they've been around the game for a long time. They've been put in high pressure situations before. Um what like what, what else do you think? Do you think there is do you think games like what we've been playing against Texas could be a well, I would say it could be a morale booster, but we saw what happened with the bullpen in game yeah. 2 against against the Rangers. Um I mean, what do you think? Do we do we hold on to Gregerson in the close, like in, in any save situation now? We saw him come in in game three against the Rangers and shut the side down, having to face Prince Fielder in the heart of their order. It's hard to, I don't know, I try to stay away from cliches, but it's it's hard to step in the mind of a player and, you know, kind of know what he's thinking. But for Gregerson, you know, I, I don't know if it's just something he's going through right now. I mean, you know, he had his own personal little meltdown in game two against the Rangers where, you know, it seemed like everything was going along fine. And then he just started giving up hits and he hit a batter, you know, Hinch came out and, and, you know, I, if, if this was, if Gregerson was a teenager, I wouldn't fault him for having like this emotional outburst. (laughs) Like I get it. You're passionate for the game. You know, I appreciate that. I do. And you want to do well and you're angry at yourself for doing poorly. I get it. But you're, you know, you're like 30 years old, dude, you know, try to keep your emotions in check a little bit here. For Gregerson, I think that he is just going through a little bit of a, I don't want to use the word again, but funk mm-hmm. for him. But, I, you know, I think this road trip will, you know, he'll get a couple of times to go out there and, you know, prove that he is who he has been consistently for pretty much the entire season. And if he can't prove that over this road trip or he seems to be struggling, then I I see it completely fine, completely reasonable to question him being the closer should we go to the playoffs. And of all the players that are eligible for a playoff roster, who who would you want to lean on? A Will Harris? Or do you want to... I mean, I feel like it would be difficult to give somebody like Vincent Velasquez a chance. This is his first yeah. every year in, in Major League <laughs> yeah. Baseball. That would just yeah. be... That in and of itself could cause a meltdown for a player. <laughs> Yeah. And and I think that's part of the problem that you're going on cuz like the first person that came to mind was Will Harris, but you just talked about how we've overworked him. 
And so I don't know if, you know, having overworked him and then putting extra pressure on him by saying, okay, you're the closer now. Yeah, we know you've pitched the most innings of your career in a single season along with the rest of the bullpen. But on top of that, I want you to go in in a one-run game in game five of a ALDS. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I know we've never used you as a closer this season, but uh, it's time to step up. Yeah. So uh, have fun. You know, so it's it's kind of hard. And I don't know if I'd go with Nishak either. Cause, oh, you talk about a meltdown. He has had a meltdown this September. His September ERA is a 7.5. And how many appearances? In nine appearances. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's... But, I mean, see, that's the thing, is to pick out a single player like that, I feel like you could pick any guy in our bullpen. Yeah. And you could say the same thing about, oh, my gosh, their ERA in September was terrible. Yeah. And I feel like you could pick anybody, like... It's, I mean, so one another thing that I kind of have thought about is with all this happening in September, do you possibly think that the team could be like being overmanaged with a deep bench and a deep bullpen to go to? Do you think that's something that Hinch maybe isn't used to? Everybody likes to like sling around, talk about like the players aren't experienced enough or all that. You know, this... Hinch has only managed a baseball team, what, one other time? And it was the Diamondbacks for not even the entire season? And he did very poorly, right? Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying, hey, Hinch is a bad manager or anything, because, you know, he gets paid to do it, and I don't at all get paid for anything. And we see what he's been doing this season. Like, it's been yeah, a great season like, for him. Yeah, we're not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. So... But has he overmanaged with, you know, these additions to the bullpen, with these additions to the uh, roster in general? Um, you know, maybe in some cases I can see it, uh, certainly. But personally, I'm just not quite willing to pin this meltdown on him. Although, the, I mean, one of the biggest things is Will Harris being overworked. That you can, you know, attribute to him. But at the same time, you know, Will Harris has been this really dependable guy all season. And in this month where we've had a lot of like close games, you want to bring in the dependable guy. And the problem is that now that he's overworked, he's becoming less dependable. And then who do you turn to? Yeah. And I mean, eight of our games, eight of our losses, that is this month have all been one run losses, which is something that's staggering. And I mean, but one thing that as far as over managing goes with such a deep bench that I've looked at is they've been going, I mean, I know that like statistics will say matchups as far as bringing in a right hit against the lefty and vice versa is the best statistical option, right? But the thing for me is, um, I'm trying to recall, it was, it was a game that we had against the Angels and at least two at-bats, Hinch would bring in a pinch hitter and the Angels would, would switch out to a pitcher of the same handedness. And then once the pitcher was warming up, Hinch would say, okay, scratch that guy, bring in a guy of the opposite handedness. And we would just say, burn Preston Tucker. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and he didn't even get an at-bat, but he also can't be used for the rest of the game. And come to the end of that game with two outs, Houston Street is facing Evan Gaddis. Gaddis, who is at the time 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, now 0 for 5 with four strikeouts lifetime against Houston Street. And I don't think we had anybody that we could pinch hit for him. And I mean, it gets to a point where I listened to a really good, uh, I think it was Effectively Wild podcast about how, like, how can you tell when a pitcher just has a hitter's number? 
And I think that if four out of five at-bats in his entire life was a strikeout, or three out of four, I think that's pretty reasonable to say he has his number. And that's, I mean, those are the kind of situations where I feel like there have been a lot more guys that have been burned without a single at-bat off of the bench. And it's like, man, it would be really nice to have, you know, hell, even Jonathan VR to come in instead because he's he's had three strikeouts in the majority of his plate appearances. So... And VR's, you know, he's a switch hitter, so the, you know, but he's better from the right side. But, I mean, he's not a bad uh, hitter, you know? He's, I think he's probably well above replacement level in hitting, but, you know, the main reason he always gets ragged on is just the, the fielding that he, you know, just doesn't seem to get. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, like, the fielding is rough, but I just feel like, I feel like there could be some aspect of overmanagement, and unfortunately, that's nothing that I know of a way to quantify. You know, we can't look at it and and say it is certainly happening. Yeah, there's no, you know, overmanaging above replacement. Yeah, this is, and this is, I mean, like you said, this is Hinch's first time in stressful situation. So like we said at the beginning of the series, we've got six road games coming up and they're going to be our final six games of the season. We're playing Seattle for three games and Arizona for three games. Um, against Seattle, we've got McCullers, Fires, and Casimir slated as the rotation. I'm curious to see what we're going to what our rotation is going to look like for Arizona. I would imagine that Keiko is going to be saved if slash when we have a one game playoff. Who do you bring in? To start, if we are a game up in the wild card race and it's the last day of the season and McCullers fires Casimir, I mean, McCullers would be available, I guess, at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. But if we have to have a fifth starter slotted in that's not Keuchel, do you start a Vincent Velasquez or a Michael Feliz? Oh, that's what I was trying to think. <laughs> it's like, that's a, that's like a, that's a pretty risky gamble there, you know? Yeah, like say it's, say it's a half game and McCullers is slated for the final day of the season McHugh is slated for game one of Arizona, I could assume. Who do you you start in between the two of them if it's still a tight race? I don't know. I remember uh, a couple years ago, my my college, my school went to uh, the WAC tournament for baseball. And uh, we used our uh, ace pitcher so much. Like, it was ridiculous like it probably wasn't healthy for him like 2014 postseason bum gardener-esque yeah like <laughs> and and it was just so freakish i mean we ended up winning the whack and then we went to the ncaa tournament and then we couldn't use him like he was he was out basically yeah and so we had to go to our secondary pitcher who wasn't bad but he wasn't our ace you know yeah and and so we we ended up losing but i can actually blame our hitting more for that one though. but <laughs> anyway that's beside the point but you know, it's you know these are hard decisions that uh ultimately Hinch has to make I mean maybe you know he'll you know call up Luno and say uh what do I do and then Luno might either you know do one of two things like oh here's my opinion on it and or the other option is well this is kind of why I hired you to make these decisions (laughs) so you know I, I think this is a decision that Hinch will probably take you know, a lot of time to think about before he he announces that one. Yeah, you know, and it'll it'll really depend on how we do in the Seattle series. Yeah, and I mean, say we we are in a tight situation in that second to last game. I feel like the two guys who are probably eligible starters to slot in at a fifth spot would be. I would say it's probably Australia or Velasquez, right? Yeah. But then again, we will have an yeah we will have an off day in there. Like we do have an off day between Seattle and Arizona, so it is possible that. That we have somebody rested enough for it. But I mean, if I have to pick between Straley and Velasquez, Straley's got more experience in the majors, more starts mm-hmm. under his belt, obviously. It would be stressful for Vincent Velasquez, but 
I think it'd be interesting to watch him play, watch him pitch for that in, in that situation, especially for an arm that could be one of the future arms of the team. Yeah, definitely. I've always been a pretty, uh, pretty big Vincent Velasquez fan, you know, yeah. like I, I'm really pulling for the guy. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen twice whenever Corpus Christi came through Northwest Arkansas, I saw him and Michael Feliz do tandem starts two different times. Uh, granted, they were only you know pitching to double A hitters, but they were borderline unhittable against those. Yeah, <laughs> like it, doing that tandem start. So I mean, I think using a Vincent Velasquez with a Michael Fleas for long relief, yeah, it might be nerve wracking because they're rookies, but I think it'd be fun to see. And I mean, of importance, while while we're on the road and while we're playing against uh, Seattle and then Arizona, um, the Angels are going to be playing Oakland, and they're also going to be playing the Rangers afterwards. And then the Rangers are going to be playing the Tigers. And then the very last series is going to be them against the Angels. So I feel like that could become taxing from a fan's experience because we're going to potentially be relying yeah. on the Rangers to beat the Angels while they're trying to save their rotation yeah. for a postseason run. Yeah. So I feel like that could be a difficult spot for us. But that's something that we're just going to have to wait and see whenever it gets there. Yeah. Speaking of of our rookies um did you happen to see them all dress up for the final road trip um i i have yes it was beautiful yeah and you're a big vincent velasquez fan so we've got vincent velasquez in fishnets oh yeah um with a i think a whip in his hand uh yeah i think that's what that is um mccullers is batwoman mm-hmm. preston tucker is bam bam yeah i've got no idea what john singleton is okay Quick question. How many years in a row has John Singleton have, had to do this? I think this, this is his second, and it's because he's still technically a rookie. I thought, didn't he get uh, called up in September uh, of the year before that? Maybe he's just doing it voluntarily. Yeah, Who maybe knows? this is just like his favorite day of the year. He likes kind of dressing thing, up you know, as like... a bumblebee with long hair and a butterfly mask. Um, <laughs> but personally, I thought the best one was Matt Duffy as, as Matt, Matt Duffy. Duffy of the Giants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, this I'll try to put together an imager album of these and post it whenever we post this episode because yeah. uh, the pictures are amazing, especially Carlos Correa as Wonder Woman. Yeah, um, that's I mean, that's one thing that's just good to see them having fun, even though it is a stressful situation at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah definitely. And that'll do it for uh, episode twelve. It's uh, been great fun. Yeah, indeed, it's been great having you on the podcast hopefully we can have you on more frequently and um, for anybody who's listening the feel free to join us for any of the final game day threads of the 2015 season on reddit.com slash r slash astros if you are not a part of the community you can reach us at um, astrospodcast at gmail.com or we're also on twitter at r astrocast the letter r astrocast dennis thank you so much for being on with me it was a great pleasure yeah it was it was a great time thank you for having me yeah definitely well everybody have a great rest of the season and we'll probably be talking to y'all a little closer to the end of it go astros